Quick heads up, I briefly mentioned having suicidal thoughts in the past. Thankfully, I'm doing better now. If you are having similar thoughts, please reach out to someone. If you are in the United States, you can call the National Helpline any day, any time of day at 1-800-662-HELP or 1-800-662-4357. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today's guest is a very social lady who loves to talk. She loves webcomics and stories in general, and she loves talking about stories. So much so that she started a podcast to talk about her favorite stories. She's the host of the Story Tinker podcast, a place to dissect and analyze stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. And that's how we met, actually, because she posted in the Midnight Poppyland fan groups, we're both obsessed, on Facebook, and uh, she was looking for guest hosts to talk about different episodes. She has two kids, a nine-year-old, almost 10-year-old daughter, and an eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old son. Please welcome my friend, Mindy Schopper. Hi. Hi, Laura. Thanks for that great introduction. And I'm super happy that we met and that you are our frequent guest on my podcast as well. So it's nice to be able to return the favor. Oh, it's so fun. I love talking about Midnight Pipeline and Purple Hyacinth. It's so fun. And anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, I highly encourage you to go look up webcomics on Webtoons. It's so fun. Anyway... Okay. So did you always know that you wanted kids? So it wasn't even like a question in my mind. I grew up in, I know you asked about culture later. So I grew up in a culture that was, it was just part of what you did. Like you, you ate, you drank, you breathed, you had kids. It wasn't optional. (laughs) So yeah, I never even considered not having kids. Um, That question only crossed my mind, like in the past couple of years, did it ever occur to me, hey, maybe I didn't want kids or don't want kids. And we can go about that later. But yeah, Agar Mangaba was a given. Yeah, of course I'm having kids. That's, that's interesting because I also grew up um, in a fairly conservative religious community that like encourages kids and lots of kids and having kids young. Um, I'm part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so that was also like pushed pretty heavily on me. But uh, like I have a fairly large family and so many cousins and everything. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's still it was hard for me to come to grips with the idea of me having kids. Um, how old were you when you became a mom? I was almost 22. So I'm, my birthday's in July. My daughter was born June. So a month before my 22nd birthday. And my, my son was born like 15 months afterwards. So like 22 and 23, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, how did your age affect your mothering or did it? So I think there was a certain naivete I had as a young person about the um, extent to which having children would change my life. And so I will say, you know, there were, there were many senses in which I had thought deeply about what it would be like to be a mother. I had always been very heavily around children, like besides for the fact that I grew up in a family filled with children. I also babysat a lot since I was 12. I babysat very, very frequently, like several times a week for years. I was always a counselor in the summer for kids, including a sleepaway camp. So I felt like I got a lot of experience <laughs> and I thought it would be the same, of course. <laughs> I didn't ex- anticipate the, the transition between babysitting a kid for a couple hours a night versus having them all the time. But in terms of youth, so I think that there is a certain like, just like love is blind and you go into it without knowing, you know, all of the trials and travails that await you. The similar thing was like for childbearing. I think that maybe if I had been older, I would have been a lot more hesitant because I would have understood more how difficult it was be. Um, and then again, I don't know if you can really know until you have them. So, but, um, and I know um, I'm assuming that me being young when I was pregnant and giving birth made for an easier like time physically. I know I had very, very easy pregnancies and, and births and um, I know troubles with them being babies and sleeping, like everything, nursing, like everything was totally, basically totally fine. And I think that because I was young and more carefree and I had less burden on my brain and in my life, I wasn't bothered by like the, the physical, I don't know, fatigue or, um, you know, walking around with a big belly. Like it just didn't bother me at 
all when I was young. And now I think it really would. <laughs> wow. That's kind of magical hearing how, like, uh, how, cause I hear so many people talk about how difficult pregnancy can be and childbirth can be and the newborn phase could be. And for you, it just sounded like it was all kind of natural. It really was. I, I think like I was a, also a little bit of a different person back then. I was much more carefree in general. I guess that's just youth. You know, I had less on my mind. I had less, I did not have financial stress at that point in my life because we lived very, very simply. Like we made, I don't know, like way less than we make now, but we also spent a lot less. And so I, I didn't have to worry about money and I wasn't worried about like more existential things that I did get worried about later in life. Um, I was newly married. That, that was fresh and exciting. <laughs> so everything was kind of like hunky dory in my life when I had my, my younger kids pretty much. And um, yeah, I mean, childbirth, like personally was one of the highlights of my life. I actually gave birth at home. I'm like um, not a hippie in general, but I'm a hippie when it comes to birth. Like I gave birth in the bathtub with midwives for both of them. And it was, it was exhilarating. It was like one of the highs of the, you know, that I've ever, yeah, definitely like one of the top three highs I've ever experienced in my life. So um, that was amazing. That, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's an, yeah, it's an incredible feeling. Cause like you're, you're anticipating this for so long. You're like, Oh, what am, you know, I'm going to meet my kid. Like, what are they going to be like? And then it's just like, you. I don't know about you, but like, I feel proud whenever I've accomplished something and it's like, wow, I did this. I went through this thing that like, honestly, like a lot of people hype it up. They're like, Oh, it's so horrible. And yeah, it was painful, but it wasn't like as painful as I thought it would be maybe. Um, I don't know, in a way it was more, in a way it was less. So, but afterwards, when you, when you, the child comes out, you're like, wow, I did it. It's amazing. It's so special. And then you have your cute little baby and it's just like, there's nothing like it. <laughs> that is so sweet. Um, for a while, I provided music therapy doula services and I attended um, a handful of births in uh, mostly in hospital settings in a couple in like a, a birth setting, a birth center setting. Um, and it's, just so beautiful. <laughs> the, the act of giving birth is just so amazing. I'm, I'm personally not super worried about me getting pregnant or me being pregnant or giving birth. Um, cause I've done a lot of research into that and what it looks like. And I am very familiar with that. Um, but it's so personal. Everybody's experience is different. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, I definitely have heard women love to talk about their birth stories. So like you definitely will, you know, hear it a lot. And some people have awful birth stories and it's like, oh my gosh, like it's horrible. But yeah, and other women are, you know, luckier. Or I think also I know for me, like I'm not scared of things in general. Like I don't have a fearful personality or an anxious personality. And I think I have a high pain tolerance. Pretty sure I have a high pain tolerance based on like my reaction to other things that other people seem to like, you know, be pained over. So I think obviously that helps, you know, uh, to, to manage childbirth. And I did um, so kind of like... Um, guided imagery for the second birth. So that really helped refocus my mind. Instead of focusing on the pain, I focused on, in my case, like a tropical desert island, which is typically not typically something I really actually enjoy. Not that I would know because I've never gone because I don't care about that stuff. But like I, instead of focusing on the pain, I really just imagined myself to be in, um, you know, in a boat outside of a tropical island and just focused on the physical sensations of like the sand and the water. And that just refocused my attention instead of being on the pain. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was great for pain reduction. Like the pain level from the first birth to the second birth was just not uncomparable because of that. So, wow, that's really amazing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's called hypnobirthing. So yes. a lot of women will use that. Yeah. There's a similar technique in the music therapy world called guided imagery. Um, yeah. yeah. Meditation or GIM or music. Yeah. So um, same idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I, can I actually do that effective. whenever I'm stressed. Like, um, I do that a lot. Like if I get extremely stressed out, I just close my eyes and imagine myself to be in a forest or somewhere relaxing. And I just like really intensely visualize it to get myself out of my current setting. Beautiful. Yeah. It's a great coping skill. Um, what was it like to shift to the role of mom? What, it doesn't sound like it was a very hard transition for you. Not, definitely not in the beginning. Um, I did, I always loved children. Um, and I love my babies. They were, I remember the first six months I actually stayed home with my daughter, basically not doing anything else, which is completely out of character for me because I'm usually all over the place and I do a million things at once, but I wanted to be home with her and it was like a special time, I guess. And, um, yeah, it was not difficult in the early years. It really wasn't. I mean, there was when they were three and two and I was home with them all 
all day because I had completed college in between. And then after I graduated undergrad, I was home with them for when they were three and two. And I was like kind of doing a volunteer job, but I wasn't really working. And then I was like, oh, I hate staying home all day and doing nothing. But um, in general, like being, it was not an issue for me at all when I was younger. Um, it did become an issue later. And we could talk about that. I don't know at one point, but like in recent years, the concept of motherhood has become more challenging. But back when I was young, I had like zero issues with it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So what, you can go ahead and tell me now, what, what's different now? So um, as I got older, a lot of things in general, like became more difficult in my life. So um, we moved from where we had been living. We had been living in Memphis. So we moved to New Jersey and that my kids started going to school. That came with a lot of financial burden because they go to a, a private Jewish school and um, we had to pay a lot of money. And suddenly we weren't making enough money to meet our, our needs. And we got a car because I started going, after a couple of years here, I started going back to school, to graduate school, specifically for making more money, so I had to get a car, and we just um, had a lot of financial stress, and I also started, I wasn't at a job that I was happy with, and I was working crazy hours, and I was going to school, I wasn't seeing my family at all, um, so basically, I had a lot of things in my life that were just not fulfilling, I was miserable in my job, um, I was going through my own personal <sighs> How do you say this? Like, I would know if I, not identity crisis, but like, what am I going to do with my life? And am I ever going to be able to do what I want to do crisis? So um, a lot of it was because I had wanted to do creative things and I felt like I wasn't going to be able to do them. And I was hopeless about the future. I felt like I'm, I'm always going to be doing boring jobs that I hate, like the, the job I was doing at the time. And I wasn't certain if I was ever going to be happy and doing something that, that was fulfilling. So I was just a pretty miserable person for a good couple of years. And I was overworked. I worked like three jobs. I, I left the like eight in the morning and I came home at like 11. It was early. If I came home early, sometimes I came home at two, depending if I'd been either at my evening job or if I'd been at school and stayed. So I was basically like extremely overworked and unfulfilled. So I started at that point resenting that having children and having to pay for them to go to school had made me make those choices to keep working at a job that I didn't like because it paid decently and to go to school for a subject that while I loved school and I always loved school and I'm super happy that I went, um, I didn't see myself being happy doing the kind of jobs that an MBA would provide. And I just looked at the future and saw like years of drudgery and working hard and never having enough money and just never being home and never having time to read or never having time to do anything artistic or creative. And I was like, why did I have children and ruin my life, <laughs> basically? And um, and oh, and my kids were starting to make a mess at home. And this is I know it might seem trivial to some people, but I'm like very very clean and OCD about like neatness. I don't know if it's like you know I probably am a little difficult to live with in that sense because like I want my house to look like a magazine all the time. And you know both my husband and kids have ADD and they just don't they don't know the concept of organizing. So it was also like every time I would come home I would be like house is a mess and it's a wreck because like I wasn't there to clean it and like there were just clothing all over the place nothing was folded nothing was put away like they just don't know how to put anything away toys shoes coats like homework wasn't done and I was like why is everything like dysfunctional without me and I don't want to like when I get home I don't want to do anything I want to go straight to sleep you know or do something fun so um so I, I got very very resentful um for that time and um you know, I didn't even like myself being that way because I felt guilty. Like it's not my kids' fault that they're kids and that they were born. I chose to bring them to the world. And my husband got mad because he's like, you know, you don't, you're angry that you had your kids because obviously like that hurt him as well. And, you know, nobody wants their wife to like dislike their children. And, and yeah, I mean, and I felt like a terrible human being also for, for feeling that way about my kids, but I was, I was just very, very resentful. And, um, you know, what do you know? Turns out that cop four fast forward a couple of years later, like when you have more time, when you'll you're fulfilled and happier, suddenly you're like, hey, my kids are not so bad after all. <laughs> you know. So I still feel like I haven't regained that like innocence and that like pure love that I had when I was younger. Um, because there's still a large part of me that is still is concerned about finances and still is like thinking very strongly about like what am I doing? And I I often feel selfish for like addressing my needs before theirs. Like I do the podcast a lot and that takes a lot of time and, or I'll be reading or I'll be, 
yeah, that's it. <laughs> Podcasts or reading or schoolwork. I was doing a lot of schoolwork um, instead of like, you know, my husband's the one who reads them stories at night or he'll play a board game with them. And I'm like, I don't have patience to play a board game, you know? So I still feel guilty that I don't um, maybe spend as much time with them or that I don't like, I'm not as affectionate as I would have liked to be, as I would like to be. But I mean, I still obviously make a very strong effort. I think I try to, you know, to spend time with them. It's on Sundays, take them out on trips. That's like a big thing for me. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of like complex feelings because um, you want to like be happy and fulfill yourself, but you also, like I would never be happy with myself if I was ignoring my children or giving them a, or being distant, just not being there for them. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you were super overwhelmed. Mm. Yep. That's a lot. And I don't think it's trivial um, to think like, you know, you're super tired. You've been working all day. You come home and the house is a mess. Um, you know, that, that would be a lot on top of like, maybe it would be easier to manage and not get under so much under your skin if you had been getting enough sleep. And if you hadn't been so burnt out working and going to school. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I also think it's important that we take care of ourselves because, you know, if we don't take care of ourselves, then how can you take care of someone else? Um, so one reason I actually started the podcast is because um, it's one of the biggest reasons I did not want to be a mom is the idea that I had to martyr myself in order to be a good mom. Like I could no longer have my own dreams or hopes or desires. Everything had to be about my future potential kids, um, which seemed like, well, I would rather die than to do that, but that, that doesn't have to be the case. You know, obviously having kids is a big sacrifice and you have to take care of them, especially when they're so needy as newborns and stuff. Um, but you're still your own person. It's okay to have time to yourself and to pursue the things that you want to do. And I will say that I do try to some extent to integrate my kids because now they're already older. Like, obviously this wouldn't happen when they're babies, right? but they're, they're interested in like in the podcast in particular. So they make fun and my, you know, my husband makes fun of the podcast and, and purple highs and then when they pop in, he's like, oh, but he's in love with these, you know, criminals. So he like, my kids already know those jokes, but they do like my son, especially like when I do video editing, he, he sits there and he watches, like he's interested and they, they both asked, they're like, when are you going to do a kid's edition of like real kids of Midnight Poppy Land? <laughs> you know, oh, I cute. so they, I do try to involve them and I show them like I was doing cover art today. So I, I showed my daughter how I was doing it. And like, I, you know, I also think that when you have a life, they learn from that because I want them to have a life too. Like I want them to have passions and hobbies. And I know very much that like what kids see their parents doing influences them. And in terms of like what they think they can achieve. And I want them to know, like, if you have a creative hobby and a passion, you can also pursue it. I want them to, I'm, I'm assuming they seem to be creative kids, at least right now. So I think I want them to know that that's feasible for them. Beautiful. That's so sweet. Going back to when you first had your daughter, um, when you became a mom, did it change the way other people saw you and treated you? I didn't perceive it that way. Um, but I've always been the kind of person who doesn't think about what other people think of me. So I wouldn't have noticed anyway, even if people did, cause I just don't think about that. Um, I think I know when I, so I started college like right after high school, but then I kind of went to like religious school instead at seminary. Cause I was going through like a very like identity crisis. When I was younger. I was like 17. I graduated like a little early. And um, so I went to like seminary for a couple of years and then I got married and then I went back when I, we moved to Memphis, that's when I went back to college. So I was, I remember touring, um, there's like three colleges in Memphis that I considered. I think there's only three colleges there. And I toured them when I was like nine months pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> it was like a week before I gave birth. And I remember going to uh, Rhodes College, which is the, um, it's like the fancy schmancy college in Memphis. It's just like a four-year college. And I was again, super pregnant when I was going on the tour and I sat with the admissions officer and she was like, I was like, oh, so, you know, what are my chances of getting in? But first of all, it's like, it's a pretty selective college and I'm not even sure I had a, a GPA to get in. I probably did. I don't know. But she was like, she was like, well, you know, this college is, it's really just for like 18 year olds. And like, you know, that's the crowd that goes here. And <laughs> she basically was telling me like, you're a little too old and, and pregnant to be in this college. Rude. <laughs> 
So yeah, I didn't even end up applying because I was like, whatever, I'm not going to bother. And um, I went to University of Memphis, which she was like, you know, what she told me is like, it has a lot more adult students. And my, the friend, the good friend that I made and retained from college was actually someone who was my age and a little, a little older with kids. So, I mean, I do see the truth in, in, you know, the social element, but that's the only time that they can consciously think of. Um, other than that, I don't know. I don't, I don't think about that question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know that in some circles that I've traveled in, like now that I, when I did the master's program, it was very normal to have kids. Like there were, I was not the only one married with kids. Like, cause it's already, you're already older when you go there. Um, in undergrad, I definitely was for the day classes because I would take day classes in my classes. For the day classes, yeah, it was pretty unusual to be married with kids because um, it was mostly young people. And then at nighttime, it was not unusual at all. Um, but I, I don't know, I never, I never, it was like, okay, you're just a few years older than us and you have kids and you're a little more mature. And that's that. Like, it, I don't know, I, I never thought that people treated me differently. Maybe if anything, they felt like, okay, um, okay, maybe you come from a religious background, you have kids young and, you're more mature, you dealt with more in life. Like, I don't know, never sure, sure. thought about it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, did having kids change the way you saw other people? I sympathize a lot more with every adult on planet earth who has kids now. Um, unless they're like terrible parents, I uh, think they're amazing now. <laughs> like if you take decent care of your kids, you're a saint because most of the time, or at least a significant amount of time, you're putting somebody else's needs ahead of your own. And I think that's amazing. That's sweet. Um, were any of your kids planned? Um, yeah, my daughter was. <laughs> I tell you the funny story with my son. So, um, well, we got married. Actually, my husband didn't want to have kids for like two years, but he's also super like pliant and he doesn't care that much. He doesn't have very strong opinions about um, these kinds of things. So after six months of, I think it was after six months, I was like, oh, I want to have a baby. And he's like, oh, whatever, fine. And um, <laughs> so I think after like three months afterwards, we got, we got pregnant and, um, and my daughter was born like a year and a half after we got married. And, um, and then afterwards he was like, okay, let's not have a baby for like two years. And I was like, mm. you know, I really wanted to have another kid, but I was like, fine. And then, so I went to, I was at school at the time and I went to campus and um, I went to, they had like a family planning clinic. So I went there to get birth control and I was sitting in the waiting room. I had just done a urine test and I was like, I really don't want to get birth control. I really don't want to get birth control. I was like, okay, fine. I'll just, I'm not going to leave the room. I can't leave the room. I'll just wait for them to come back and tell them like, oh, I don't need birth control. I don't want it. And they came in the room and I'm like, hey, I just, I'm just waiting for you. I'm, I don't want birth control. And they're like, well, you're pregnant. <laughs> so I was like, yes. I was so excited. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily planned, like, but he was wanted. <laughs> um and till this day by the way I'm like why I was like was I not using birth control I was like what was I thinking I was like I, I don't understand how I got pregnant because I'm pretty like I don't think I would have been I was like did I assume that nursing did I not get my period because I I was nursing and that's why I thought I was still like I don't know but whatever it was I was pregnant I was like two months pregnant at the time I didn't know it so <laughs> that's funny yeah, that was that <laughs> um another lady I know said she she had her first child and then a year later, her second child was born and she wasn't sure exactly when the due date was supposed to be because she was nursing and she never got her period. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So they say that nursing is not an effective form of birth control. <laughs> I would have known that. So I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I don't know. I wasn't that stupid as a young person. Like I, I pretty sure I knew that. <laughs> okay. Whatever. <laughs> It can be for some people, I guess, but I guess not for others. Um, and so you said your son wasn't planned, but wanted definitely did planning for your daughter, but the surprise for your son, did that affect your mothering at all? Honestly, like within a matter of months, if I hadn't been pregnant, I probably would have just begged my husband like, yes, let's have another baby. And he would have said, yeah, like, so it would have happened anyway. <laughs> Dude. Um, and when when kids are super close in age like that, they can either be like super tight, super get along or like fight all the time. <laughs> How do your kids get along? So I actually, one thing that a big reason I didn't want to have two kids close in age was because I grew up with two brothers very close in age to me. Like I was two and a half and then my brother was one and a half and my next brother was born. And we had a blast growing up. Like we had so much fun. We were, I, mean, I know we fought a lot also, but we played so much and we had so much fun. So I, I wanted that for my kids as well. So I wanted two kids close in age. So um, yeah, my kids, I mean, most of their life they played 
you know, very nicely. They did start fighting a few years ago. You know, I remember people telling me, oh, my kids fight. I was like, my kids don't fight. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and now they do. But, you know, it's cute. It's funny to hear the fight because they fight about, like, you got the tablet more than me. You got more electronics. Like, you didn't clean your room. Like, when I tell them to clean the room, he didn't clean his part. You know, it's like little childish squabbles. But uh, they also get along nicely as well. And they play together sometimes. And uh, <laughs> I think maybe, I wonder what it would be like if they were both, like, boys or both girls. Because, um, you know, not to be sexist, but like they really do have different interests because of their, which are gender stereotypical. And I'm very much like, not like that. Like I was never the kind of person to be like, you play with Barbies, you play with toy cars, but they like completely chosen on their own when they were kids. I mean, I'm, I was a tomboy growing up. So, um, I did like Barbies as well, but I was a very, very big tomboy. Um, so yeah, I very much wanted my kids to, you know, do whatever they want, but they do have different things like to play with. So like my daughter will play with her dolls and she'll do arts and crafts and she'll, you know, write things. And, and my son is just outside all day, jumping on the trampoline and on the scooter and on the bike. So I think that one reason they don't necessarily play together all the time is because they're different interests, but you know, they'll, they'll still occasionally play together like outside or like they got this new scooter thing that they're like testing out. So and we have cats and they like to play with the cat together slash torture the cats together. So <laughs> yeah. Cute. Um, has your mothering changed at all after each or you had your daughter and then after your son came along did that change not really because they were so close in age that I was basically the same person so I don't think it changed because of having two really enough like um I didn't see much of a difference and again I, I think I'm also just very lucky that like I was never sleep deprived so that was never an issue for me um, and if I had been sleep deprived, yeah, I would have like noticed it a lot more, but when he was born, I was like, whatever, he's just another cute, he just, you know, newborn sleep all day. So I was like, he wasn't a big deal to add at that time. <laughs> that makes sense. Wow. Uh, yeah. Being sleep deprived is a really big concern of mine. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I start fantasizing about killing myself when I'm consistently sleep deprived. <laughs> so I'm like, I know, I know I actually don't want to kill myself. It took me a long time and lots of therapy to realize that I don't actually want to kill myself, but I know now it's just, it just means I'm really, really tired. <laughs> I, I definitely had that too. When I was, when I was working those, those years, when I was like working crazy hard, I, you bet I thought about that all the time. And a hundred percent, I was like sleeping a few hours a night. It was insanity. So I mean, I can share with you like why I wasn't sleep deprived. And um, I know, you know, everyone has their own thing. Not everyone would do this, but I slept with my kids in my bed. So, and I nursed my kids. So, um, and I was a very light sleeper. I don't know what I, I am now. So I don't know if I'd make the same choice now because I'm not sure if I'm still a light sleeper like that. But back then I was a extremely light sleeper. And um, so I slept with them in bed and then they would start moving around in the middle of the night and I would wake up and I would just like attach them to my breast and I would kind of be half asleep. They would still be sleeping. And they would, you know, start nursing and I would fall back asleep and they'd fall back asleep and that was it. So I wasn't sleep deprived. Like I just woke up for like 10 seconds and just attached them and that's it. Um, and I remember I wake up, like if I had gone to sleep like this, I woke up like that. Like I was very, I didn't move. And, you know, some people are concerned about rolling over onto your child, but like, because I was a very light sleeper, I wasn't worried about that. So um, because of that, I was never sleep deprived and I'm happy about that. And they also went to sleep um, on their own very easily. Like my daughter, when she was eight months old, we were like, okay, I guess we can put her in her own bed now. We put her in a crib and like, it just took three nights. She cried for 15 minutes and then went to sleep and that was it. And now, then she slept through the night after wow, my son it was wow. six months old. So yeah, so I was extremely lucky. And they've always, my, like my kids never woke up at six in the morning. Like if we put them to bed at nine or eight, or I don't even remember when we put them to bed, they would wake up at seven, eight, nine. Like they, they slept quite solidly. Like they did not wake me up at five in the morning ever. <laughs> so I'm very, very lucky, which uh, also lends, uh, you know, I, I have like my memory of their baby years are like very blissful. And I know that not everyone had that experience. So I'm just very happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really lovely. Uh, so you mentioned your husband, um, having your husband there and having a partner while you had your kids, how did that affect your mothering? I mean, he's very, you know, he's a very good dad. He's very hands-on. He's very loving. Um, I mean, it was a requirement for me. Like I would never have been with a guy who didn't think he had to be a good, a hands-on parent. Like it was, I, I'm not sure if we, I know I had a very, I had a very specific list when I met him. Like I had a list of 10 traits that like, this is what I want in a husband. I don't remember if we was, was that on the list or I think it was probably assumed for me. 
because I grew up in a house where my father was very hands-on and he always did like chores and he just like it was equal pretty much I mean I remember my mother being more present like as a little kid but I mean whatever it was definitely like he he did his, his share and I think that was what I saw in my whole community where the, the men always were doing stuff with their kids so I think it was kind of assumed for me and I think I knew my husband was generally a good guy but anyway he definitely was you know whenever I needed like he always was there so yeah now he's he does a lot more of the child stuff than I do um he doesn't drive so like I do all the driving them places like birthday parties and school and uh, trips and I love taking them on trips that's my thing which is totally how my mother raised us she took us um, on trips like almost every Sunday, we went to museum or playgrounds or parks. We went biking on shore road. We um, <laughs> they like to take us on road trips like during vacations or holidays. And um, so yeah, and my father liked to buy us food. He was like, "Here, have snacks, children." <laughs> and my husband does the same thing. This is like this is how each of them, you know, that's what they each enjoyed. I think so. Like, I, and I I totally see that with us. Like, I love going out and traveling and seeing things. So I'm like how do I show love to my children? I take them to, you know, see fun things and go out to places. So we each show love in the way we enjoy things. So it's just funny to see. So so I do all that stuff, but he does like, he puts them to bed more. He kind of makes them take a bath more. He makes them suffer more. And that was also the deal that we had because I'm doing more for the career and for like supporting the family. Um, and I do all the mental errands because he has ADD and can't do it. So I do all the bills and the finances and the doctor's appointments and whatever. So he does more of the, the physical labor. <laughs> that makes sense. So sweet. You got your, your, uh, I don't want to say chores, but like you have like delegated the things between the two of you. Yeah. I mean, did it go smoothly and, uh, you know, without arguments? No, because my standards and his standards for cleanliness are very different and it took him like literally years to like understand how to do things for like cleanliness because again ADD was like a major setback for him so he couldn't organize like but he, he learned like very very slowly so yeah is it always like sometimes I'm like I'm doing you know sometimes it's like you know oh who's doing more I'm doing more you're doing more like there's still a little bit of those arguments but more or less it's okay <laughs> so you mentioned uh earlier your culture and your religion and and um, I don't know what it is for your specific Jewish community, but for my specific Christian community, like the religion and culture is kind of one and the same. It's like very much tied into each other. So tell us a little bit about how that affected your, well, what is specific your denomination? So I'm Jewish and I'm Orthodox Jewish. And the way I grew up was ultra-Orthodox. So I grew up, <laughs> to get even more particular, I grew up Hasidic or Hasidic. Um, so like, you know, men with long black coats and beards and fur hats and sideburns, that's like how I grew up. Um, my family was always more like modern. So that's my, um, I had a lot more exposure to the outside world than many uh, people in that community do. But I mean, I'm hundred percent a product of that environment and I myself moved away from it. That was my identity crisis when I was younger. So when I was like 17 to 19, um, slash 20, I moved away from that and I became just regular Orthodox, I guess. Um, so a lot more involved in the um, outside world and my philosophy and theology changed, but um, I'm still a practicing Orthodox Jew. So that's that. That's the answer to that first question. Mm-hmm. And how does your religion and your culture affect your mothering? Yeah. So the way I grew up, um, there were, there was one, like the main purpose in life was to serve God. And the way you did that was, besides for following the Torah and doing all the commandments, you raised a good Jewish family. And that was like the number one goal. So when I, um, a big, it's, it's been a very interesting thing for me to see that like the difference between how I grew up and like the more, and I know there's so many different cultures within America. So it's hard to say a stereotypical American culture because it really isn't necessarily, but um, let's say the broader, less religious world career is very much a focus. And it's like, you are valued more as an individual and you're considered a person with your individual talents. And like the, the idea is how are you going to develop your talents and actualize them? Whereas the way I grew up, it's a much more collectivist culture. And I've, I've known, I studied a little bit of like the difference between collectivist and individualistic cultures. So in collectivist cultures, the group is much more important. And like you as an individual are not as important as making sure the group's needs are met as a whole. So the way I grew up, it's like, the whole point of life is to pass on your tradition and raise a good Jewish family to keep the chain going. And like careers was just like not a thing, you know, it's like there is a the bit of Western culture did seep in and like there is, you know, like, okay, the idea is, yeah, you should be happy, but on the whole it's, you know, 
you're there to pass on the tradition, make sure it continues. So, and you're raising a family is a huge part of that. That's considered much more important. And like the milestone events in the Jewish community that I was raised in were all, you know, births, you know, um, circumcision, a Brit, like a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, less bat mitzvah because it's a sexist community, but whatever. <laughs> and then, um, and marriage and having kids. And like, let's say in a maybe more secular society, it's graduation, graduation, <laughs> career, career, right? And like that just wasn't important. Like nobody went to college where I grew up. I mean, they started their, there now are like religious programs with like limited options. And there's like some careers and there's a lot more now than when I was growing up. And that's something that I enjoy seeing that there's like more opportunities available. And that was actually one of the big reasons I didn't want to stay in that community because nobody did anything that I was interested in. But the focus was not that. It was like, whatever, you just work to earn money, but like, that's not a big deal. And in, in many ways, I actually find that, um, I mean, this is not necessarily related to this, but one thing that like I find about the Western world is like, the first thing that you do is like, hi, who, what's your name? And what do you do? And you're judged by like your career. And it doesn't, it exists much, much less in the community I'm from because it's just not as important. It's just considered a way that you make money to live your life. But like, it's not considered where you pour your passions. It's not considered like, it's not as associated with prestige as it is in the, like the less religious world. So yeah, the whole focus of life is having kids and passing it on. Yeah. I relate yeah, to a lot of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the, the idea of like the career and mon- money and like physical stuff is not as important as um, your family connections and like your spirituality and the relationships to develop. Yeah. Which I mean, I, to some degree, to some degree, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I guess I'm also pulled by the more Western idea of like, I, I don't want to just do that either, you know? Yeah. The big thing for me was, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, it's so nasty, but like, I felt like all the women when I was growing up were just focused on like finding the right color ribbon to match their kids' outfits and like, and like training recipes. And I was like, I cannot live like this. So um, I needed more than that. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, I don't know. Sometimes when I meet like the rest of the world, I'm not too impressed either. So I don't know. So, you know, it's, it's really, I don't know. It's the kind of, it's the kind of people there's like, I always feel like there's the average person or more like the more simple person who like, you know, they just want to like go to their football game or, you know, have a nice house, have a nice dog and let's like live in peace. And then there's people who are more, they're always like, they're just born different and they're striving for more and they're more complicated and they're, you know, they have more emotional issues, but like they're, and you know, it, there is like a higher, association between like, you know, people who are more intelligent also come with more emotional issues because I think that there's just how it goes, you know, um, but those are always the kind of people I'm more interested in hanging out with. So, <laughs> and I realize that I, I might be coming across as kind of judgy. Like everyone is just trying to make their own way through life. So whatever floats your boat is fine. <laughs> I think I get a little resentful because I get a lot of judgment for not having kids at this point in my life. Um, especially since, um, many people in, at church in my religious community and in my family are like, why don't you have kids? What's wrong with you? It's kind of the feeling I get. And some people have like asked me that. Yeah. If I wouldn't have kids, oh goodness, I would be hearing it. Um, I only have two and that's like considered bare minimum, like where I'm from. So the community I live in now, I live in a modern Orthodox community. Um, two kids is quite average. I mean, two to four. Um, but like the ultra Orthodox community I come from, you're like eight, nine, 10 kids. So <laughs> Um, it's considered like a, like a, um, a requirement for a Jewish man, not a woman, because it's considered, it's a, like life threatening to, for women to have, to give birth. So it's not like you can't be obligated to something that threatens your life, but for a Jewish man, it's obligatory to have at least a boy and a girl to like, that's the, the first uh, commandment in the, in the Bible is like, you know, be fruitful and multiply. So it's like, comes from there. So we do have the bare minimum. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I'm qualified in that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, every so often my mother will ask me like, Hey, do you want more kids? But my mother, inter- well, we could talk about my mother lately, but interestingly enough, she also understands like how difficult it is to raise kids and financial struggles. So she under, while she would like to have us to have more kids, she also understands why we're not. So, um, it's nice to, to have that. No, nobody, nobody bugs me about having more kids. So that's, that's good. So yeah, good. I don't have the pressure. Yeah. So speaking of your mom, what kind of relationship do you have with her? 
I admire my mother a lot. Um, and as I grow older, I see I have a lot like her. Um, like there's a lot of things that, <laughs> you know, I think unconsciously we, we repeat a lot of things that our parents do. Um, if you would have asked me like 10 years ago, am I like my mother? I would have told you, no way, I'm not like my mother. And now I'm like, I am the freaking splitting image of my mother. <laughs> so, um, you know, my mother is very determined. I'm very determined. My mother is the boss of the family. I'm much more the boss of the family. Um, and I, I kind of recognize I chose someone with the same dynamics um, that would lead to the same dynamics that my mother has with my father un unconsciously. Um, weirdly, you know, it's just, that's the kind of relationship I knew growing up. So uh, there's that. My mother was much more the financial um, breadwinner. I'm much more that in the family. Um, my mother was always, like I said, taking us on trips. So she's very creative also. So I got that from her. Like she's artistic. She draws, she paints, um, she used to write and I do all that. It's a, so it's hundred percent like from her. Um, so, and yeah, and I, I've come to understand how hard she worked growing up and how much she did for us and how like she was always trying to get us to be developed. And she always tried to take us, you know, give us lessons. They didn't have money growing like when I was growing up at all, but she always tried to take us places and take us on trips and, you know, give us like, take us to piano or like my brothers did like karate. And um, so she was very, very much into like fostering our talents. And she was very, very, very encouraging. Like she praised us. She's <laughs> excessively so. She was like, you're the smartest kids in the world. Aww. you're the most beautiful kids in the world and then like I remember I grew, grew up and I was like wait I'm not actually the smartest I'm not actually the most beautiful it took me a long time but um you know it was to an extent it was unhealthy because it was too much but um but after I calmed down which took me like years um and like I it did I have a base level of self-confidence that comes from her encouragement that is never going to go away and um that I'm very grateful to her for <laughs> that is so sweet <laughs> Yes, not that, but in terms of like our relationship now, um, my parents, oh, <laughs> when I got married to my husband, so when I was a, when I was a young teenager, when I was going through like the whole identity crisis, so we had a very tumultuous relationship. Um, I was also extremely emotional. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people go through their teenage stage when they're younger. I did not. I went through when I was like 17, 18. So we were like, oh my God, it was like horrible. You just like the worst thing ever. Fighting all the time, blaming them. You were, you know, like, you know, the line from Freaky Friday. I hate you, mom. You're ruining my life. <laughs> it was, it was basically like that all the time. I like blame them for everything. Like you're responsible for all my pain, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just like horrible. Um, and you know, they were like, our daughter is ruining her life. Like she's making horrible decisions. She's bouncing around from place to place. Yeah. 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 It was true. I was a very unstable teenager, you know? Um, so we, we had that. And then I went off to seminary in Israel. That was where I like to kind of found my path and found a place I wanted to be. Um, it was much more like my crowd. It wasn't the way I grew up. And, um, then I met my husband at the end of a year and my husband is not what my parents expected me to marry. <laughs> my parents were like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest also. So like our daughter's going to marry an ultra-Orthodox Hasidish Jew. And like, um, I was like, I'm not marrying a Hasidish person. And they're like, yeah, of course you are. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And um, they thought I was going through a phase and I would come back eventually to being ultra-Orthodox Hasidish. And then when I met my husband, I was like, hey, I also, I, we got like engaged super quickly. I was like, met him on Sunday and by Sabbath, like Saturday, I was like, where can I marry? So they're like, so like within a week, I was like, hi, Iman Tati, like, here's my, this is my future husband. And they're like, you just met it, which is pretty normal, by the way, the way I grew up, like people get married also within a couple, like they meet on a blind day. It's like a show, whatever. It's a whole thing. It's like arranged and um, with matchmakers or whatever. So like getting engaged after like three dates is completely the norm. Like that's how I grew up. But he was not at all who my parents expected. Um, he, well, they should have expected it, but they were new time parents, but, and they were like, they just deluded themselves that I was gonna go back to being ultra-Orthodox. So my husband is now, he wasn't ultra-Orthodox. He was religious. Um, and he had also converted to Judaism, which unfortunately there is a stigma against at least marrying a convert in the community I grew up in. Um, idealistically, they're like, oh my God, it's amazing you converted. How it's so inspiring that you chose Judaism. And, and my parents were always open-minded like that. Um, and my, we always had tons of people in my house who were not like, the way I grew up, most people had like, they like to shelter their children and they didn't want to expose them to different ways of life. But my parents were more open. So we always had guests who were more modern than like the community I grew up in. And um, I don't remember if we ever had people who had converted 
but I'm saying in general, we were like still, um, you know, very, like we only hung out with Orthodox Jews pretty much. Um, so yeah, so my parents were like, oh my God, my daughter's gonna marry someone who wasn't, wasn't born Jewish. It's like, whatever. So sadly there was a stigma against that. And, and then I always say like, my husband is from Holland. Like, thank God he wasn't born like five kilometers to the left or whatever. I don't know exactly where, it's, uh, but anyway, in Germany, cause if he had been born in Germany, it would have been a nightmare because obviously my whole family is like Holocaust survivor. So there's like a ton of trauma against, and you know, if he would have been German, it would have been like, whatever, as it is, he's like six foot four and blonde and blue eyed and tall. So that's a, a little bit, it was definitely traumatizing for them. <laughs> my mother is like Israeli and I'm, and short and petite. And I remember when she, and she's, she's usually like a firecracker. Like she's very like, um, strong-minded. And I remember when she first met him, she was like scuttling away from him. I was like, mom, you're like scared of my husband. <laughs> like, and Yoel, my husband is like a sweetie pie. He's like the softest, nicest guy you could ever meet. So like, he just happens to be very big. <laughs> but um, so anyway, so that, that was World War III um, when I got married. They were, I mean, to make a very long story short, they were like, we're never talking to you again. You're, you're not, you know, not going to be part of our life. And um, they tried everything they could to stop us. They sent all our, like half the family members because the other half were like to support us. But like half the family was like calling us up every day and how could you, and what are you doing? And you're ruining your life and your parents. And, and then they sent like, you know, different rabbis and like psychologists, it was just like a mess. And my mother had some unresolved trauma with her father and her, her past that she kind of reflected on on this situation. So, which I understand now, but you know, the part that I do understand is they were like, my daughter is 20 and she has just gone through a period of like changing her mind about what she wants to do with her life and where she's going to end up religiously. So they thought that like, I was going to, um, wake up one, like one day in like a year or half a year and be like, Hey, I want to go back to being ultra orthodox. I don't want to be married to him. So, you know, I understand that concern. Um, but turns out they were wrong. <laughs> so, um, about a year after, well, when my daughter was born, a year and a half after we got married, um, they flew into Memphis for her birth. And then they, like, that was when they really calmed down because they saw us. Oh, they did talk to us in the end, by the way. Yay. But they were very, very uncomfortable for a while. But then when she was born, they flew down and they saw that we were still happy together and that, like, I had, we had chosen a community that was like what I had always said I wanted and, or always, or the last couple of years, and that I wasn't changing religiously and I was settled. And they were like, my mom actually said these words. She's like, you were right. And I was wrong. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Burned into your brain. Weird. It was amazing. But my mother doesn't talk about her emotions very easily. And, um, and that's something that I noticed. I kind of have a blockage with talking to my kids like that, which is very strange. Like, um, I honestly, I think I should go to a therapist about this because I realized that I have reservations, emotional reservations with my kids that I like don't have with my, with other people or specifically my husband. I kind of have like, okay, husband is the person you can be completely open to. And I do have in my head. And I think a lot of it is experienced by my um, feelings now of, of estrangement from my parents, because after we had the, those big blowouts and never regained the same level of relationship. And there's a lot of things I still don't like quite feel comfortable talking about with my parents because of the, because our life, my life has changed from theirs. And there are many ways in which my values are different, um, many ways. So I don't talk about my theology with them. Um, they would consider me a heretic. I don't talk about like all the secular stuff I do because they would be like pained emotionally. Um, like, I mean, simple stuff, like listening to non-Jewish music. I grew, I grew up like you only listen to Jewish music and I listen to mostly not Jewish music now. And like, it would be just very hard for them because I don't share that. Um, <laughs> when I go to exercise classes, I wear pants and I don't cover my hair, which is like, and if, even if there are men in the room, which is like, you don't know. So there's a lot of, a lot of things I don't share with them. Like, I don't lie, not that kind of person, but like, I just selectively, like, I'm not going to go tell them that like my yoga class has a man in it, you know? Um, <laughs> Cause why should they be peeing? Um, so I think there is a level of reserve. I know there is a level of reserve that I have with them. And, um, and I definitely have a chip on my shoulder about, um, about like being judged for my, my, my current like state. So I, I don't share those things with them. Um, and yeah, and it's, 
So anyways, I noticed that I have that with my kids, particularly with my daughter, not, not with my less, much less with my son. And it's weird. I think it's because it's like the, the same kind of the mother daughter thing passing on. And um, yeah, I think my mother is also a little bit emotionally stilted. So I think that I just learned to have that with her um, because that's the kind of like we relationship, even growing up, um, I wouldn't say we were unclose growing up, but we were never close. Like I was never one of those people like, and I think it's also a cultural thing, the way my mother grew up also, like you didn't have heart to hearts with your mom. Like you just, you have a best friend for that. And like, I know my, uh, my aunt who's actually only a few years older than me, like with her mom, with my grandma, she was like, they were super physically affectionate. She would like lie down on her lap and she would like stroke her shoulder, her head. And I was like, yo, that's so gross. Like, why are you touching your daughter? Like, why are you like being all like, you know, strokey? It's like gross. So, and the way my mother like was not a hugger at all. Like she would, she told us that when she was a, a new mother, she read an article, how children who are deprived of physical touch grow up um, like needing it. And like, like it's not healthy kids need physical touch. She was like, I am going to force myself to hug my children. So she like forced herself to hug us. And like, we were like, don't hug us, you know, like we didn't like it. Um, so I, I think physical touch was not like a, a thing for her. And um, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I'm not, you know, there's definitely, I don't know if it's, if I could say it's unhealthy. I think it was just what it was, but like, I do feel like I have a, um, besides for like the fact that I didn't grow up with like super close, I think that because I had such a split with my parents and a lot of trauma, honestly, from that, um, that I kind of probably don't think about as much as I should. Um, I think that I kind of, in my back of my head and the front of my head, I anticipate that my kids will go through the same thing. And that when, when they're like young teenagers, they're going to reject my way of life and they're going to argue with me and they're going to, you know, go through this whole crisis in their life. And then they're going to like find their own path and they're going to like be, oh, mom and dad, they're old fashioned and they have their beliefs, but like, I really found a light. I, so I kind of like anticipate, and there's a part of it that's mentally like, yeah, I want my, I know my kids are going to be their own people. And like, I fully anticipate them you know, um, choosing their own way. But I think the fact like that I assume it'll come with a large blowout and emotional drama. I don't think that's necessary, especially because I'm not going to be the same kind of parent that my parents were because I already know my kids will be different and we're much more permissive than my parents were. So I think I do have that trauma left over. I'm like, oh, my kids are going to leave me anyway and hate me anyway. So like, why should I invest in this relationship? Because they're just going to not like me. Oh, yeah, this is definitely, really definitely therapist material. Oh, <laughs> so it sounds like your relationship with your mom changed a lot more. Like there was much more of an impact when you had like your identity crisis and you went away to Israel and you came back and you met Yoel and you got married to him. And rather than I got married in Israel, but yeah, oh, you got married in Israel. Oh, yeah, I met him and married there, but yeah, um, <laughs> rather than like having kids, like for. For some people, they say that like having kids dramatically affects the way their relationship works with their mom, but it sounds like it, that wasn't the, the big turning point. It was the stuff that came right prior. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, having kids definitely made me appreciate my mom a million times more because I understood what she had done. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say our, our big relationship break was like then. But then again, like, I don't feel like we were particularly close before. I didn't have maybe trust issues before like I have now or like the closeness issues, but we, we never had, like, we were never the kind of people who had like heart to hearts. It just wasn't, we didn't do that. You know, like I would show her my stuff and I would like share my, like, Oh, look at the poem I wrote. Look at the thing I drew, you know, like that I would definitely do. And that I still do because my mother is like, she likes to be proud of us. And she was like, she's like, Oh, my daughter did this or my son did that. So I still definitely show her all my like achievements, you know? Aww. So <laughs> But yeah, but definitely, um, yeah, the thing that changed with motherhood was appreciating her a lot more. What is something that has surprised you about motherhood, your mothering journey? Um, how much time it takes. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just day to night. <laughs> it's just never ending. You know, my daughter comes into our room at night. She doesn't like to sleep alone. She gets scared. She doesn't even sleep alone. My, my, my son, they sleep in the same room, but like, even then she still gets scared. She comes up in the middle of the night. So that's like a middle of the night, like forget privacy. Right. And then, <laughs> and then like, you know, it's just waking them up in the morning, put them on the bus and make them food and make them lunch. And then, you know, okay, now they are at school. So like they are away for many hours. Uh, forget, don't talk about zoom school, but whatever. Um, and then they come back and then there's homework and then they have to like, you know, put your laundry 
brush your teeth, take a bath, eat supper, like put everything away. It's, it's just never, never ending. <laughs> just the, the time commitment did not anticipate this. Mm-hmm. What is something that has been hard about motherhood? I mean, that like the financial part is huge. And um, yeah, I mean, um, maybe if we were sending our kids to public school, it would be different, but that's not our situation. So <laughs> we have to, we have to shell out like a lot of money for school. So that's hard. Um, you know, I discussed like all that before with like how I had to do, I did an MBA instead of like, I don't know, maybe I would have done like a literary degree or something, you know? Um, so, and then, so that was like a big thing. And uh, and the cleanliness, I, I know like some people will be like, oh, who cares about that? But like, I care about that. I mean, even as I speak downstairs, it's like my daughter's room is messy and like, it's normal kid messy, but like, it bothers me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what is something that brings you joy about motherhood? I love their funny, interesting things that they say. So each kid has their own like skill set. My daughter is very, oh, I can show you. She made me a bunch of Mother's Day stuff. She is very artistic. She, makes, um, she writes very well. She writes these stories and she does. <laughs> oh, I think that was, I think my husband made this one. See, this is how nice he is, by the way. She was like, oh, I want to make Mother's Day stuff. So they both made it together. She made this one and he made this one. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing for this. I think she made this and he made, yeah, she made this and he made this. And like, she's just very artistic. So she makes, I enjoy seeing that about her. I have like a whole pile. I I can show you all of them, but um, she's very artistic and she likes writing and singing. And I, I, I'm like that also. So I see myself in her in that sense. And personalities were very different, but in that sense, she is like that. And that's gives me pride. And it's like, oh, that's so sweet. And my son is very good with language. And he's also, um, he's a very mischievous kid and he's just hilarious. So like he'll, um, he'll kind of mouth off to us and I find it so funny. Um, <laughs> so he's very good at words. Like I speak um, um, a couple of languages and like, I want them to learn it. So I'll, I spend more time with him because I drive him back and forth to school. My daughter goes in the bus. So there's a little bit more time. So I use words in French and Hebrew and he picks up on it and he just like quotes it back at me. And like, I'll use a sophisticated word and he'll use it right away and he'll integrate it in his vocabulary. So I love like when I hear him do smart stuff like that. Um, like he'll say, like I was talking about how we were talking about how water goes down because it was raining and, um, you know, water was pouring down the street. And we talked about like the, the water patterns and like how, you know, if something blocks it, like it goes faster. And I said, um, oh, I think the water has been like arrested up, you know, on the hill because it's not flowing that fast. And he, I told him like arrested also means stopped. And he used it in the sentence right away. So things like that make, give me a lot of joy. And like, they're like, you know, me and my husband were always like, oh, they did this cute thing today. They did that cute thing today. <laughs> you know? So sweet. And for the listener um, earlier, Mindy was showing me lots of different cards that oh, yeah. she and her, her daughter had made or her husband and her daughter had made her for Mother's Day. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, what advice would you give someone like me who's getting ready for motherhood? Um, be prepared for uh, a your whole life to change. <laughs> You're, you will not have as much time for yourself. Um, I don't know how it will affect you physically because that, like, I don't think anybody knows necessarily until they have it. Um, so like the pregnancy, childbirth, nursing, sleeping thing, that could be a significant thing. Like my, one of my good friends, um, weirdly enough, hates babies, but wanted three kids. So she's like, okay, I'm having my third kid. She hates babies. Like she hates being not sleeping. She hates the nursing. She hates everything, but she wants to have three children. So anyway, so she's at the stage where she has a newborn and she's like, just, it's constant. The baby doesn't sleep. The baby doesn't nurse. The baby doesn't poop. The baby doesn't. It's like, so some people really have it hard. So it can happen for you. So that's that. And then even if you don't like it's your kids are going to be like huge, 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 huge time drain. I know like now my kids are already older. So, and my parents also, oh, speaking of anything, my parents, my parents moved to the neighborhood. So I don't have to worry anymore about like babysitting. I can leave the house and I don't have to worry about them. But like for years, you will not be able to move without a child. Like you, they'll always be in the car seat. You have to bundle them up. I mean, forget the whole, like the diapers, the pooping, the, the, like the, the bottles, the food and the crying. I mean, for years, you won't be able to move. Like, I remember that was it a thing like before we had kids me and my husband like we could just leave the house and like go take a walk go to the grocery go like 
we didn't really go on dates. Like we didn't, we're like very like poor. We didn't have money for stuff like that. But afterwards, suddenly it's like, you have a baby, you can't just leave. <laughs> so that's a huge change. And that, that does get a lot better when the kids get older. Like I will say there's so many things that are easier. I mean, the kids make more of a mess now than they made when they were younger. Um, eh, I don't know. Cause they make more of a physical mess when they're younger. They like throw their macaroni all over and like they poop on the floor and whatever. So like, there's more of a physical, like a physical mess, but now there's just like clutter everywhere. Cause they have a million toys and homework papers and their shoes and their whatever. But, um, but yeah, but a lot of things are easier because they can go to their friend's house and I don't see them for hours. <laughs> they sleep at my parents' house a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, we can leave the house and like, not worry that they're, you know, whatever, you can't leave babies at home. So, but you can leave older children at home. (laughs) And that's so nice. Just kind of circling back. It's just now clicking in my head that you said earlier, your parents are like, we're never talking to you again, but now they live in the same neighborhood as you. And they're like so close to your kids and they can have that relationship together. That's so sweet. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic, because we used to have, um, you know, we keep Sabbath and Sabbath is like a very big social day for us. And we would always have like friends over or, or we would go to friends. Um, but then during quarantine, we didn't see anybody except my parents for a long time. So now it's kind of like established. We go to them almost, I mean, we see each other throughout the week a lot also, because my, I have a little brother who's only like a year older than my daughter and two years older than my son. And he's basically growing up like an only child. So my son goes to play with him a lot. So definitely the whole weekend he's there, he's there right now. Like I'm going to have to pick him up in the morning before school because he was there since like Saturday morning. (laughs) So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so they, and then my mom borrows my car during the week and like, now I'm working a lot, so I don't really see her very much, but like, you know, sometimes I would be like, you know, seeing her more often during the week. Um, but yeah, definitely every weekend we see each other. <laughs> That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, my last question for you, is there anything else you want to add? I often wonder to myself, would I make a different choice? And I don't believe in, in regrets, periods. So I never... Not the kind of person who'd be like, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. But but like I, th- I still think about it theoretically. Would my life be happier if I didn't have kids? And I know that studies show that people actually, their happiness level does tend to go down during the years they have kids and it goes back up afterwards. And that's understandable because it comes with a lot of stresses. And, you know, there are times where let's say my husband went on vacation with my daughter and like my son was at my parents' house and I was like alone in the house for a week. And I was like, this is great. Like, nobody is bothering me. Nothing moves unless I move it. Like there's no shoes. There's no water bottles. There's no cups. There's no food crumbs. Like it's amazing. And, uh, I kind of do look forward to that day, but I also feel like I would not be as mature and enriched a person if I hadn't had children. And I mean, it's kind of like my general philosophy in life. Like I'd rather be a person who has been through things, even if it were, even if they were very difficult at the time, than be a sheltered child who never went through anything I feel like I wouldn't be a full human being so I'm grateful that I have children even though it's difficult and even though my yeah I might be happier after they leave the house and I have more time and cleanliness and whatever but I wouldn't be a full person I think without them that's so sweet (laughs) that's so sweet I just love hearing people talk about their kids because they're just like everyone who's been on the podcast so far has been really honest about things and like really open and real, which I really appreciate. I, I don't want people to filter themselves. Um, but they always ha- have something so sweet and so loving to say about the kids, even with all the hard stuff that comes along with it. Yeah. I mean, I know, <laughs> um, you know, like, yeah, no matter how hard it is, you still like, you just love them so much. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that people were, were honest and I, I'm definitely also trying to be like, I've never been the kind of person to be like, oh yes, having children is a piece of cake. <laughs> like no way. But, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it just enriches my life more. So yeah. And plus, honestly, like I, I feel like in many ways, um, I felt this more strongly before, but <clears throat> I felt like God gifted me with my life and I know I'm happy to have been born and I'm grateful to my parents for making me exist. And I'm happy that I have the chance to experience life. And I do feel like the greatest gift I can give to somebody else is to give them life. So, I mean, honestly, now that I think about it, I would have adopted children maybe. And I, I did want to adopt children before when I wanted more kids. Now I don't want more kids, but um, I mean, it's possible still, but I do feel like the greatest gift you can give someone else is what you've been given. And I want 
people slash my kids to have the same chances at the joy and yes, the pain that life comes with, but to experience life, I think is the greatest gift you can give somebody. So I feel like it's my obligation to pass that on and to give what I've been given to someone else. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it, Mindy. I know you're very busy and I appreciate your time and your <laughs> openness and your vulnerability and just all your words of advice and warning <laughs> and everything you had to share. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I mean, I knew that, you know, an interview with you would be great, just also by the quality of the questions. You know, the questions that you asked are 100% spot on. So I, I already knew the interview would be fantastic. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. You know, it's a, it's a pretty significant topic in my life and I enjoy talking about it. I feel fulfilled slash, I don't know, it's a meaningful topic for me. So I, I really appreciate it being able to share this. Wonderful. Well, thank you. thanks so much thank you again Mindy for being so open I really appreciate your candor and insights people say parenting is hard but it's worth it I've heard that several times before but it always sounded kind of reductive and too simplistic to me so hearing you go into more detail about why and how motherhood has enriched your life was really enlightening Um, also this interview was recorded on a Sunday on Mother's Day specifically so thanks again Mindy for taking some time on Mother's Day to chat with me the month of May is Jewish American Heritage Month so thank you Mindy for sharing a little bit about your Jewish upbringing religion and culture and as a reminder Mindy is the host of her own podcast called The Story Tinker and you can find it on most if not all podcast platforms you can also find the link to it in the show notes If you, listener, have any thoughts or questions, or if you want to come on the podcast and share your thoughts about being a mom, you can reach out to me, Laura Pruitt, on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Thanks for listening.